Hello, market meditators, and welcome to your daily market briefing. Short, snappy, no BS, 10-minute daily updates about the crypto markets. Delivered to you by me, Kin. When will it stop? When will it end? What will it take for the crypto markets and Bitcoin prices to stop heading downwards? At the end of today's call, we're going to look at one, the main factor that's causing nervousness or panic in the markets today. In other words, what is causing sell pressure and prices to be going down? Number two, we're going to look at exactly what needs to happen for this factor to disappear. In other words, what needs to happen for nervousness to be gone in the markets, allowing Bitcoin prices to climb back up again? Before we get to this point in the call, however, we will need to consider the BTC, ETH and altcoin charts and the top headlines in the crypto news today. Once we've covered all that, we'll be prepared to see what needs to happen for the bear market to finally end. Fresh from its Tuesday rally, back above the psychologically important 20k threshold, Bitcoin has caved. The largest cryptocurrency in market value was recently trading below the 20k level and pretty much neutral on the 24 hours, probably as investors digest the end of the month of August, a month which they would probably want to forget pretty quickly. BTC has fallen more than 13% in August and nearly 20% since the middle of the month when a surge steeped in from the false hopes of a return to more moderate monetary policy since dashed by federal chair Jerome Powell in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, sent the price up near 25k and then back down again. So zooming out to the one month, just to really make sure we're comfortable with what happened on the month of August, we saw a rally near to the 25k level when US CPI inflation results came in lower than expected, meaning inflation is under control, investors don't have to panic about rocket high inflation, and they can take on more risk. When market conditions look better, it is more enticing to take on risky assets like Bitcoin, and therefore we saw prices rise. However, these hopes proved to be false. Since then, we've had a lot of news come through that the economy is not under control yet, and the Fed are not done with their tinkering and influencing of the markets. Now, perhaps most notably, the big declines that we experienced were one of them from the Jackson Hole Economic Symposium speech that Jerome Powell gave. In this speech, he basically told us that he's not done influencing the economy, that inflation is not under control, and quote, more pain is going to come. Obviously, the markets did not take well to this, and it pretty much slashed all that hope that helped us get to 25k in the first place. In fact, recently, the Fed is talking very, very tough, and the stocks and crypto markets have definitely been falling. If I were to draw a bit of a silver lining or positive news from the month of August, however, I would suggest that it did help convey just how useful fundamental analysis is as a tool. If you are listening to these calls every day, you'll know that we were prepared for the US CPI results and we knew exactly how it would impact in the markets. We knew that a lower result would lead to a rally and it materialized. If you were a listener, you would have been prepared for this. We also knew that the Jackson Hole Economic Symposium speech was looking to be aggressive. We knew this in the days running up to the meeting and it was repeated time and time again on this call. So if you were listening, you would have been prepared and you would have anticipated a bit of a 
sell off in the markets. Just goes to show that with the right tools, these markets are volatile, choppy, but able to navigate and able to get some sort of sense for how and when important events might happen. Ethereum, on the other hand, is recently trading at around about the 1.5k level, also rising a little bit from where it was trading around Tuesday. The second largest cryptocurrency by market cap dropped 7% in August, and more than 20% since mid-month euphoria about the merge. The Ethereum blockchain's hotly anticipated protocol switch from a proof-of-work to a more energy-efficient proof-of-stake, which spurred on Ether price spikes of over 2k. So how shall we describe Ethereum in the month of August? This was a month where Ethereum was at times outperforming Bitcoin because of a lot of hot and cold narrative around the Ethereum merge. When certain news came in about the Ethereum merge that was very positive, like we heard that the uh, test nets were successful, that the merge date was coming in earlier than anticipated, all these things fueled rallies in Ethereum where it even outperformed Bitcoin in some months. Certain days we saw this momentum or build up for the Ethereum merge dip or decrease a bit. And some days we actually saw the outlook be pretty flat. There were points in the month of August where we saw a lot of appetite for long strangles or derivatives positions that expect volatility following an event like the merge, but are not completely sure in what direction that volatility is going. So an interesting month for Ethereum, and it will be an interesting month in September with the merge coming up. Again, we will be doing a lot of calls and prep in anticipation of the merge to make sure we're ready for that. Mixed BTC and ETH price action fosters mixed altcoin market action as well. Uh, Most major altcoins have spent the day either neutral or slightly in the green. Uh, Luna and Matic were both up more than 2% at points and ADA was recently down a little bit as well. So now that we have the charts covered, it's time to head on over to the top headlines in the news before we get to that really important point of what it's going to take for the bear market to finally be over. In crypto, we know that all transactions are final. If you accidentally send a large sum of money to the wrong address, that money is as good as gone. Centralized exchanges, though, do have the ability to reverse transactions when mistakes have been made. We've had the breaking news come through that Crypto.com accidentally sent a customer $7.2 million, and they're now trying to get it back. An Australian customer received $7.2 million instead of $68 due to an unfortunate typo on behalf of a Crypto.com worker. Did the exchange realize right away? They reportedly did not notice the error until seven months later. By that time, the customer had transferred the cash to a joint account and spent roughly $900,000 on a home for her sister. Crypto.com is now suing the individual in the Victoria Supreme Court. The court has ordered the individual to sell the home and return the money to the exchange. Some believe that she should be able to keep it. Henderson and Ball lawyers say the onus is actually on you, Crypto.com, to call the sender and say, look, that shouldn't have come into your account. The case will return to court in October. While we can speculate what can happen, we'll have to wait and see what the final ruling is. Exchanges seem to be losing money left and right due to mistakes. Solana-based decentralized exchange Optify lost 660k after a developer accidentally shut down the entire program. 
What would you do if you received $7.2 million instead of $68? Let me know in the comment section below. Next headline considers one of the biggest Bitcoin whales who has been targeted for a lawsuit related to tax evasion. Former CEO of MicroStrategy, Michael Saylor, may soon have to defend himself against accusations levied against him and the company in Washington, DC. A tax fraud lawsuit has been announced against Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy. On August 31st, the DC Attorney General Carl Racine announced on Twitter, today we're suing Michael Saylor, a billionaire executive who has lived in the district for more than a decade, but has never paid any DC income taxes for tax fraud. Authorities are accusing Saylor of intentionally misrepresenting his resident status to reap the benefits of lower tax rates. The complaint filed August 22nd stated that Saylor knowingly avoided income taxes he owed to the district by fraudulently claiming to be a resident of other lower tax jurisdictions. The case has listed MicroStrategy as a co-defendant, claiming the company helped to conceal Saylor's actual place of residence. MicroStrategy has responded with a statement claiming the matter was personal involving Mr. Saylor, adding the company was not responsible for his day-to-day -day affairs and did not oversee his individual tax responsibilities. Saylor stepped down from the position of CEO earlier this year and assumed an executive chairman role instead. Regardless of the outcome of the lawsuit, we'll have to see how this publicity affects the future of MicroStrategy. We've seen stories come through time and time again, which have been proven to be not true in the crypto markets. That is not to say that this isn't true, but definitely it's worth waiting for concrete evidence to come through before making your mind up about any type of event that has been leaked, rumored, announced, etc. Our next top headline looks at Hermes, which reveals plans for metaverse fashion shows, crypto and NFTs. The trademark application comes months after filing a lawsuit against NFT project Meta Birkins for allegedly using its Birkin brand to sell digital collectibles. My two cents on this is that luxury brands have been struggling and really not staying relevant anymore in this day and age. The high street is empty, stores are closing down, everyone has taken their shopping to online and cheaper and more trendy online retailers. These brands are struggling to stay relevant. Cryptocurrency, NFTs, and the metaverse are some of the most relevant brands out there. And this is their holy grail to becoming relevant again. And I think it's only the beginning. I think every type of luxury brand is gonna pile into crypto and NFTs to try to stay relevant. We've seen celebrities doing it as well. This is the trend to be on right now. And everyone who wants to remain relevant and seen is going to be jumping on this train. We'll consider just one more headline because I really want to get onto what we're going to need to see the bear market end. Uh, Crypto Twitter shares concerns regarding Meta's recent NFT integration news. On Monday, Facebook and Instagram's parent company Meta announced that its users will now be able to post digital collectibles and non-fungible tokens across both platforms by simply connecting their digital wallets to either site. While Meta's announcement may have seemed to sound like a mass adoption win for some digital asset enthusiasts, not all members of crypto Twitter were thrilled by the news. Skeptical users took to social media to express concerns surrounding the security and privacy of the data disclosed when digital wallets are connected to these social media platforms. It's no secret that big data platforms retain user data, even sell user data, and generally use 
individual behaviors to help inform their algorithms and their choices and help make the social media sites in question more addictive for the user at hand. That is something that's very much been uh, covered and researched and there's been all sorts of articles about that. Whether this concern is material is yet to be seen but it's definitely something to watch and certainly a lot of people aren't happy to see Web3 and the metaverse at the hands of big data. Part of the call you were all waiting for, congratulations if you made it this far. Why are we stuck in this kind of bear market? Why are the legacy markets also stuck in this kind of bear market? And then what's it gonna take for it to stop? A lot of the nervousness we're seeing in the market right now comes down to a fear of whether the US central bank is making mistakes with its policy. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell warned that the US economy will face some pain as the central bank continues raising interest rates aggressively. Analysts at London-based cross-border capital argued that the quantitative liquidity dimension is being overlooked with the Fed's balance sheet reduction or quantitative tightening having an asymmetric impact on the economy. Quantitative tightening and quantitative easing refer to the two tools at the disposal of the Federal Reserve when it comes to influencing the US economy and as a knock-on effect actually the global economy given that US is the biggest economy in the entire world. When COVID hit initially the Federal Reserve and the US Central Bank was very quick to aggressively cut monetary policy. They did this so quickly because they seemingly were learning from the lessons in 2008 when they were relatively slower to introduce aggressive cuts. Since then, the economy has been recovering and more recently this year, the Fed has been introducing quantitative tightening to try and suppress that growth. That is because too much growth in the economy is not a good thing. It's a balancing act and around about 2% is where we want to be. If you follow these calls, you'll know that we're currently way higher than 2%. The fear or concern is that the Federal Reserve's aggressive cuts followed by aggressive tightenings were not the best way to conduct monetary policy. And the bear market at the real root of it is this nervousness that the economy does not have bright future prospects. On the one hand, the aggressive cuts that we had previously might lead to greater than anticipated growth in the economy and inflation that is way too high for anyone to handle. That's one scenario. The other scenario is that the economy starts shrinking, cutting way too quickly because of all these hikes that we're seeing, and then we're left with not hyperinflation, but a recession. So either scenario is not looking that good, and both are born out of the extremity of the measures taken by the Federal Reserve. For as long as these two disastrous scenarios are on the table, we're gonna see nervousness and bear market-like conditions. So what we'll need to give? Fundamentally, we need to see in the numbers, in the data, that the economy is at a healthy level of growth. So not excessively high and not excessively low either. There's a whole host of data and information that will help reveal that to us, but there are some that are more important than others. For example, the US non-farm payrolls, which are coming through tomorrow. I will be giving you guys a full breakdown of that data and what it means for the markets 
Another very important event will be the FOMC meeting, which is coming up on the 21st of September. A 50-point basis hike will suggest perhaps that the policy being conducted by the Fed is a bit more relaxed, a bit more in control, a a little bit less extreme. And the 75 basis point hike, which looks more likely, would be another example of a very aggressive hike that could lead to those kind of extreme scenarios that were mentioned previously possibility of extreme market action is what is keeping us in a bear market signs and data that the economy is growing at a healthy rate is what it's going to take to get us out of it i will be analyzing the data as it comes through every single day and i'll be keeping you up to date of when it looks like this bear market might finally be ending thank you for listening and i'll talk to you again tomorrow where we're going to have a whole host of u.s job data to go through together